In a world of bus schedules and business calls, sidestep into a realm of Koigyu casting in Klingons. Okay, people, get your geek on. Hi everyone, it's August 17th, 2012, and you're listening to episodes 51 of Knit One Geek 2. I'm Karen. And I'm Maggie. And we are inside our cat immersion tent. And there are a lot of felines in here. Ow! Oh god! Claws! Claws! Ow, 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 ow. Hey, wait, wait, whose tail is that? Oh, I got cat hairs in places that you don't want to think of. I don't think this is the way they meant for it to be. Yeah, I- I'm not sure they meant to have actual cats in here. This isn't relaxing. No. No. Somebody pull out the directions again. Well, if you're wondering what the hell we're talking about, we'll tell you a little later. Yeah. In Geeksway. But first, we have Adventures in Knitting. Would you like to start? Sure. Mm, what? After my Olympic fiasco, I kind of lost all self-esteem. Oh, honey. Never mind the fact that I've made lace shawls in the past, that mm-hmm. I've just finished making myself a cardigan, mm-hmm. but because I pulled a hamstring and stumble over the hurdles at the Olympic Games. I'm now looking at it going, I need to go back and knit the most plainest things that I can find. Oh, honey. To that end, I am making a baby bag. I mean, there's nothing really special about it. It's a circular 72 stitch. Mm-hmm. There's a one-by-one one ribbing for a little while, and then you just knit plain, straight, for about 18 inches, mm-hmm. or whatever. And then you can do a three-needle bind-off, or you can just sew it together. Because um, there is a baby out there that apparently does not like being swaddled. Okay. Said baby does the Houdini thing. Ah, uh, okay. So I'm hoping that this will help. And, you know, it's big chunky needles and big chunky wool. And don't ask me what the wool is. It was, you know, some nameless wool that I inherited. I got uh, one of my friends basically said, hey, do you want a wool winder? I'm like, oh, heck yeah. Meet me at the local coffee shop and, you know, just pass it on. Because their aunt was, like, purging her attic and stuff like that. And this was in it. And apparently in the same box with the wool winder was all of this yarn. I'm like, this came with it. And I'm like, okay. So that's what I'm using. And just because apparently monogamous Maggie doesn't live here anymore... Ooh. I am knitting. Naughty girl. Yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Especially with Christmas coming, I'm going, what the hell am I doing? I should be, like, focusing on one present at a time. Oh, screw it. I thought you weren't knitting presents this year. Uh, yeah. I know. So, here is a sock. Ooh. It is for me, because I, it's small enough, I don't think it's going to fit anybody else I know. And it is done in the storm colorway, Blue Moon Fiber Arts. Oh, that's really pretty. And that's like a rainbow of colors. It is a rainbow of colors. That's why I'm knitting it in good fit. Yeah, it does. Good fit. And it's reasonably, the stitches are not laddering. So it's looking very reasonable. I'm telling myself that pretty much I need to go back and do some basic socks and learn how to make them all over again as discipline. Okay. Hey, apparently this is how my mind works. Let's not, let's not ask. And because... It's been on my brain whenever I go to sleep. I'm like, I still have that Blackstone tweed I got in Ottawa. I'm going to make mittens with it. Ooh. What kind of mittens? Warm ones. Do you know any ideas about... This is the Barocco Blackstone tweed. And of course it doesn't come with a color, like, title or name. It comes with a freaking dial-out number. So I'd call it an oatmeal or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's basically like an oatmeal co- color. It's a little heathery. It looks like it's got a little bit of... Yeah, it's got the tweedy flex in it. And it's an Aran weight. And there <laughs> is... Some possibilities are the Celtic Moonrise mittens. Mm-hmm. Or... Yeah. Ooh, yes, I love those. Jared, By Jared Flood. Jared Flood's Grove. 
Yeah, those are in Classic Elite number 9108, made in Brooklyn. You can also get it from Brooklyn Tweed. I think there was a Classic Elite book that was released last year, I think, that has those in it, because I remember seeing those from a book I got at the library. Oh, but it's a DK weight, so it's the wrong weight. Well, you can still fiddle with, like, the number of stitches or something. After the debacle that I just went through with the Olympics, you're asking me to fiddle with <laughs> stitches and gauge. This is made with 65% wool, 25% super kid mohair, and 10% angora rabbit hair. All things that keep you nice and warm. And I've got two skeins of it. Each skein is 130 yards, so should get me a pair of mittens. Oh, yeah. That should do quite well. I don't know. Maybe I'll maybe I'll swatch and give it a try. Who knows? Yeah, because, too, it'll depend on, like, how dense a fabric you want to. Yeah. Mittens you might want a little denser than maybe even some of the patterns call for just to keep the wind out. Speaking of how tight ones things get knit. Oh, yeah. I see your needle there is a little uh, warped. Yeah. Yeah, they do that after a while. And I'm going, okay, I wonder what I was thinking when I was managing that. Anyway, so that is me. I am putting myself through a little... Self-disciplinary tutorials. And, yeah, I'm totally not monogamous right now. I'm all over the place because I want to start on my Evendim as well. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I am so totally <laughs> fractured. Well, as for me, actually one thing that I totally forgot to write down, which I just remembered now. Yeah, those V-Junkie socks where I did the first one and it looked like it was going to be too small. So I tried another one and a larger needle. I pulled it over my leg, the cuff over my leg. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think even that one's going to be a little too small. So I think I'm going to go up to the next size up. Okay. So, but before that, what I did is I ripped out the socks, both of them, and washed the yarn. And it's currently hanging downstairs. I need to rewind it. Okay. Because I gave it a little wash to get all the little perm out of it. You're giving yarn more leeway than I would because I don't know if I'm going to finish those Bahamian socks. I think I might bury them somewhere. Trust me, I have a couple pat a couple sacrifice projects. Sacrifice them to some dark demon or something. There have been a couple projects that I have just been like, uh, no, toss it out. I don't want to see you ever again. Yeah. We are not friends. And... I'm not going to cast those back on anytime soon, I don't think, just because i got other stuff on the needles I, sh I should focus on finishing first, especially because I was casting on another sock just last weekend, but I'm getting to that. So I'll probably, and it's not, like, it's nothing to do with the pattern. The pattern and the yarn work together really well. It's just, I just need to go up another size. And I've got mm -hmm. other, like I said, I've got other stuff on the needles. I'll just finish that first, and then I'll redo those. Especially because last weekend, I cast on another Blue Moon Fiber Arts sock, it is pretty. For going to the movies. It is stripy pretty. Yeah. As I said before, this, these are not going to be movie socks, as in I only knit them while I'm at the movies. But, you know, they are going to be good socks to take to a movie, yep. like I did last weekend with The Born Legacy. Oh, are we going to get a review? Not like a long one. Okay. I'll just quickly mention it. It was pretty good. It's a little, it's maybe not quite as good as the earlier ones, but I think there were certain, I mean, there's certain parts about the character in the first three movies of Jason Bourne where... Because he, especially because in the first movie, like, he doesn't know who he is, it makes it a little more compelling to watch, you know, because you're trying to figure out, you know, what's going on and stuff at the same time he is. So by, by the third movie, you're like, okay, you're one of the, one of the agents, so just, just deal with it, get over it. No, it's like even the third movie, the, well, that, there were three movies with Jason Bourne. Okay. With this one, it's like, it's more like, because of the, the events of the first three movies, they're shutting down these other top secret programs. And one of the people in it is Jeremy Renner's character. 
And they're shutting down those programs by killing off the agents that are in them. Mm. So it's sort of a has to fight to survive sort of thing. Okay. But yeah, again, you don't have that sort of, you don't have the compellingness of someone trying to do that while trying to figure out who the hell they are and who these people are and why they're trying to kill them and all that other stuff. Okay. So like I said, it's still good. It's just not quite as compelling as the first three. So anyway, movie sucks. But yes. So basically, like I got tons of this stuff done last weekend because I did the toe on the way to the movie theater. Nice. And then... Check you out. I did, like, most of the foot at the movie. I pretty much did, like... Well, actually, I did pretty much all the foot at the movies and on the bus ride home. Damn. So it's, like... That sock Four and a half hours, I had pretty much the foot of a sock. And I just did the heel while I was watching the closing ceremonies of the Olympics. That sock sort of, like, knit itself. Yeah, pretty much. And, I mean, it sucks that rock, lightweight, and I'm doing it on a... I believe it's a 2.5 millimeter needle. So, I don't know. It's just something about the... I find with movies, like, when I'm watching them, it, I'm even more... The, the knitting just happens. <laughs> it's like I'm not even paying attention, especially when I'm at the movie theater and it's dark and I don't have any other distractions. The knitting just happens. It's like, all of a sudden, oh my god, I have a, I have a foot. And this is the socks that rock that I got in Toronto the other week in the Saving Grace colorway. So it's pink and red and gray. And actually, the way it turns out is it's a very, very shallow stripe, shallow spiral. So it looks like it's striping. And so you get the red sort of bunches up in one spot. So it looks just sort of like a tonal red. And then you get little stripes of the pink and the gray and pink and then back into the red. So you get the red sort of all together and these little other little colors making little stripies across it. It's very Christmassy to me. A little bit, yeah. But then I just get Christmas on the brain, so... It's very pretty. It's also... It is very pretty. It's also somewhat close to my my high school co- team colors. <laughs> Go Redcoats! Because ours were red and gray. I think red, gray, and black were the team colors, but... Ours were navy and white. And so our team was the Redcoats, and our, you know, mascot was, like, a British mm, officer. Okay. In the traditional red coat. Yeah. So, but I like you the colors, and I like the way it's striping, and it's... Oh, I love it. It's beautiful. It's nice and squishy. And and it fits perfectly so far. And I'm, like, a couple inches up the leg. Yeah, you are. So, really, it's not going to take long for me to finish the first sock. Dang, nabbit. Check you out, machine. And then, the other thing I've worked on this week are... I picked up my Twisted Stitch socks again that I'm doing in Dreaming Color Smooshy. And originally, I had thought about you know, doing different patterns on the back of the leg. But instead I was just like, oh, I'm just going to make it simple and do the same patterns that I did on the front. So it's the exact same pattern back and front. And before the Knitting Olympics, I had pretty much finished the heel. I did a toe-up heel flap and gusset heel. And so I pretty much finished the top of the heel flap and was starting on the leg. And so I've done about an inch and a half. Basically one, little more than one repeat of the main Sort of twisted, st- twisted stitch cable pattern. I love the way this. Just... I know this looks like it looks like <clears throat> wrought iron work. Yeah, I love the way it looks when you get that column. Yeah, of the cable going down it. It looks, or you know, it looks like like Celtic, you know, knotwork going up the side of a doorway or something. Like yeah, that. it looks. It's so pretty. I love it, and I love doing it. I just had to remind myself a little bit of like, okay, how many rows do I knit it plain before? I start moving the cables back in and crossing them and stuff. Right. Oh, it's so pretty. I still have to do the same or start the leg on the other sock, but the other sock is pretty much at the same point. This one was when I started this one. Pick this one up again. And that's pretty much it for me for Adventures in Knitting. So we're all coming down off of our Olympic high. Yeah. And slowly easing out of summer craziness. Into back to school and 
The promise of fall and cooler weather and... And a quieter library during the day. <laughs> Though, actually, things were not so quiet today because I had the second session of my, basically, Dungeons and Dragons for kids. Uh-huh. I had five kids. Cool! How and they all loved it. They liked it? Yep. And I got, like, I had two girls and three boys, all in a sort of about nine to age nine to eleven range. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, the boys were, like, just going completely bonkers and making stuff up and, you know, eagerly, like, making stuff up and wanting to attack everything. Yeah. And, you know... I attacked the doorknob! Yeah. There was one point where the kids was like, can we attack the plants? And I'm thinking of that gazebo. <laughs> In front of you, you see a gazebo. Yes. Oh, Lord. If you don't know that, what that reference is, seriously, Google Dungeons and Dragons gazebo. gazebo. Just just do it. <laughs> and read that story. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, even at the end when I was giving them an out to, so they didn't have to, like, completely defeat this dragon they were fighting as the last creature, I was sort of like, so, you know, you have the thing that you need for this magical potion to save your kingdom, and the dragon's just sort of, you know, dazed. What do you do? And they're like, attack it! Attack it! And I'm like... You, you know, this would be a good point to run. run. <laughs> and they're like, no, I want to attack it. And the girls are both like, we're running. They're <laughs> like, we're taking the thing. And I'm you're trying to re- also you know, sort of remind them. It's like, you know, your kingdom is counting on you to get the stuff back. Yeah. You can't do that if, if you're, you're dead, dead <laughs> from fighting this dragon. And the girls are like, we'll take the stuff and go back <laughs> and run back. Oh my the boys are like, I want to attack it! I want to attack it! Okay. Well, it's five minutes over the time of the program, and you, the parents are you, waiting outside. And you, you suddenly fall down unconscious from the dragon's bad breath. I was somewhat tempted. If we had not been overtime, I would have been very tempted to be like, okay, you want it. I'm doing every attack roll strictly, but for the dragon, like, I'm having the dragon attack you guys every single time. And maybe you'll reconsider when you're down to 10 hit points each. Yeah. And that would be only a little worm. There was a little part of me that was like that was tempted to kill off their characters as an object lesson, oh. but I couldn't quite do it. Plus, yeah. it was you know five minutes over. Okay. So, but yes, that was fun. So Very if you cool. Ever, though. If you ever feel like or wonder if you have you know a kid around that age who wonder if they might like Dungeons and Dragons, try it. Sure. Why not? Just simplify it. Simplify the rules and try it. Because trust me, especially if you can get a, a group of them, they will go nuts. It's problem solving and creative thinking. Yep. So moving into Geek Squee, I have some news for any of the Dresden fans. Yep. Going back to something we have mentioned like very early on in the podcast. Yeah. Harry Dresden, uh, wizard, does not do children's parties. Thank you very much. For any of the Dresden fans out there who are eagerly awaiting the next book, from Jim Butcher, we have news that Cold Days will be released in hardcover November 27th of this year. We have a teaser for the plot. Harry is under orders by the Queen of Winter to make an assassination. The assassination, because obviously there's got to be just a little bit of a twist in the plot here. The assassination is of an immortal. So, I'm taking bets now. Who do you think it's going to be? Because that obviously cuts out the werewolves, because they're mortal. Cuts out most of the wizards. They're mortal. I think the vampires, though, do definitely count as immortal. Or maybe a rival fae house, maybe in the summer court. Or do you think it's somebody that's outside of Arcadia that we haven't seen yet? Quite possibly one of the Denarian. 
because of the attack on Arctis Tor. Anyways, if all of this means gibberish to you, hey, join us. Read the Harry Dresden books. <laughs> I've been trying to get Karen to read them for a while anyway. Murphy rocks. She's my hero. She does from the little I've read. Yes. Oh, she gets she gets even more awesome. The only other thing is too is like I I really suck at series. Like I get bored with it after <laughs> okay, a while. Okay, okay, I like, won't push. It doesn't matter what series it is. If it doesn't have like a definite ending sort of like Harry Potter did at the end of seven books. I just sort of get burnout and like, yeah, I don't care anymore. Harry, <laughs> Harry's Jim Butcher has said he does have a fixed plan for Harry's Harry Dresden series. We're only in the middle third though. Yeah, and I'm like, woo! And there's how many books now? Um, this will be I, I don't remember what book fourteen something like that. Oh my gosh, take away my Dresden card. I can't remember what book we're on. Anyways, but yeah, uh, Murphy's sort of like my hero because she's like. Five foot nothing woman stands up to a billy goat gruff, no, an actual gruff that's like eight <laughs> feet tall, and she knows several different forms of martial arts. So she's like my hero. Every <laughs> every time I go into Taekwondo and we do, I our, see how this is relevant to your interests. <laughs> every time we go into Taekwondo and we do our our beginning and ending meditation, I'm like channel the Murphy. You are Murphy. Anyway. Unless you're in a really bad mood, and then it's Channel Black Widow. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, so I'm willing to take bets, and let's see what anybody else thinks about what uh, immortal do you think Mab is calling for to be nixed, as we, as we shall say. And speaking of book series and things like that, actually there was an interesting study that came out earlier this week that says, despite baby boomers being still the largest segment of the population. Generation Y, which for the course of for the purposes of this or of this study is defined as those born between 1979 and 1989, have taken over in book buying power or book buying numbers, mm -hmm. I should say. Because apparently in 2011, Generation Y bought 30% or accounted for 30% of book expenditures in that year. Up from 24 and 2010, while baby boomers' share of spending fell from 30% to 25%. So basically they switched places. Which is interesting. Because we were throwing out ideas of why that might be. Yeah. And I'm thinking it's partly because, it could be partly because of technology adoption, especially when it comes to things like reading on an iPhone or tablets or things like that. Mm -hmm. But I was also thinking because like some of the, a lot of the really huge bestsellers in the last couple of years, and even sort of cultural phenomena, have been young adult novels. True. So you get the younger portions of Generation Y reading those novels because they're of that age. But then a lot of and then a lot of the YA novels that have hit it really big have also sort of transcended the YA ages. Okay. Into young into other adult young, spectrums. Uh, yeah, the younger you know. Young adults, as in, like, let's say, teenagers and maybe up to, like, 21 or so, like, college age, but even past that, even to, like, people my age, like, early 30s. So we're talking things like Harry Potter. Hunger Games is really what I'm thinking of. Not so sure about Game of Thrones. That might be a little bit later. Not quite young adult. Yeah, I know a lot of people my age and maybe, like, a couple years younger who have started reading Game of Thrones. Okay. I think yeah. there might be, there'd be quite a few. It seemed like there was quite a few people I saw on the plane. It seemed like every single time I was sitting to someone on the plane last time I went to Kentucky, they were reading Game of Thrones. 
Mm. Half the time they're reading it on an iPad. Because I know and, I know somebody who actually read the series like long ago before it was yeah. ever a TV show, and there was like you know years in between books. But yeah, I think there's there's a you know good number that are probably reading that. There's and of course they're old enough, college young professional age, we'll say, to pick up Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> and so this was, I mean, these are, these are documents from, these are from 20, 2011, Fifty Shades of Grey was a two, up to 2012 thing. But, you know, looking at the continuation of that trend, they're definitely, you know, they're old enough to pick up Fifty Shades of Grey. Yep. I don't know if you, I don't think you'd want teenagers picking up Fifty Shades of Grey. I had one of my, for co- a variety of different reasons. One of my coworkers was very tired on a Monday and she says, I was staying up late reading Fifty Shades of Grey and I just stopped what I was doing and I turned and looked at her and she goes, yeah, I didn't know what it was until I got there. Mm-hmm. I'm like, uh-huh, you didn't know what it was. She's like, no, I didn't. I'm like, okay, fine, okay. <laughs> I'm not judging you. I should say that if I sound a little snarky about Fifty Shades of Grey, it is completely because of the writing quality and because of the nature of the relationship, and I don't mean the BDSM parts. I mean the, the what are you thinking, like, much more experienced man with very young, virginal, inexperienced woman mm. creepiness, creepy vibes coming off of that. Okay. But anyway. Personal opinions yes. always matter. Personal opinions. I'm just explaining where I'm coming from. Okay. I am fine with the porn, trust me. <laughs> I think I saw a sign in one of the bookstores recently that said Hotter Than Grey, and it was their romance collection. I did see it, but I saw a photo of someone had found a sign in a bookstore that just someone had put up. It wasn't one of the staff or whatever. It was something like, do not read this. There is hotter porn out there. There's oh, much God. better porn out there. It's it's odd sometimes about what what just seizes the population just mm-hmm. randomly. It's like this was not the only quote unquote erotica out there. Yeah, there, there's other titles and other you know series. Well, I think the fact that it was a Twilight fan fiction helped. Oh God, that's right. Because it was, and it was originally self-published. I forgot. Like digitally, ebook self-published. So even after it was turned into, after the, you know, she did the find and replace on the names. Yeah, I forgot about that. Part. It did get. You have like however many, you know, hundreds of or thousands of fans of the the original fan fiction who are like, oh hey, I'm gonna buy this, and then you know they start sharing it with people, and then. It becomes more popular and people start hearing about it and yada, yada, yada. I've similarly, because of the success of the Hunger Games, there's a movie in the process works in, in Japan about a similar story that was in works beforehand. I think I remember hearing there was a Japanese movie original, uh, like a, a previous one. Yeah. Like Battle Royale. Yes, that yes. was it. That was it. Yeah. There was, a, there was a previous movie called Battle Royale that is fairly similar yeah, and they the were games? they were going to bring it back. Yeah, and they were th- I th- so I guess they were thinking of remaking it. No, Hunger Games is sort of I don't know if it's created a new market for that or kind of spoiled it because people will look at it and be like, oh, they just so copied Hunger Games. But one other thing that's interesting that apparently Comics Beat website points out about you know feeding into sort of what we've just been talking about the little diversion we did as well as the article we were talking about they point out that this means that the generation buying the most books these days, is also the generation that was raised on shows like Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> which is kind of neat. It's just And it's sort of like, and these are the people also that, not only these are the people that are going to be buying books, and these are the people that are going to be, like, making really books. starting to write books. Yeah, it's proving And that buying books for publishers. Geeks are getting to their strength point of ruling the world. Yeah. From all media. Not just computer, but also from literary publication. Mm-hmm. 
Like, I mean, looking at, well, thinking of Buffy the Vampire and Slayer and other paranormal, and X-Files and other paranormal stuff like that. Yeah. Like, the hottest thing in romance novels for the last couple of years has been paranormal romance. Yep. The biggest thing in YA prior to Hunger Games was, you know, paranormal stuff with, you know, vampires and angels and demons and all that other stuff. And, you know, Hunger Games is not really too much of a diversion from that. Not so much in the paranormal, but, you know, it's still very... It's an dystopia. Al- yeah. Futuristic dystopia is still very geeky and sci-fi-ish. So it's interesting that a lot of these things are hitting right about now when... Yeah, the people who grew up with some very very geeky stuff are gaining power. I like it. The geeks shall inherit the earth. (laughs) (laughs) The geeks may be taking over the uh, publication and literary industry, but unfortunately, you're not getting any potions books via eBay anymore. eBay has announced that it is banning the sale of magical items, advice, spells, curses, hexing, conjuring, magic, Prayers, blessings, services, well, blessing services, potions, healing sessions, and work from home businesses and information and other such things. And wholesale lists, which is good to note. Yeah, that's, that (laughs) is, that is good to note, but dang it, this means that I, nobody gets to finish their potions project at home. Yeah, the, the title on the, the article on the Mary Sue was, eBay has banned the sale of magical items. Now we'll fail potions for sure. Yeah. And of course, the reason why is kind of obvious is that it's to, I mean, mainly to protect, to protect the users and also to cover their own asses and so that they don't, and also I would imagine to reduce their workload from like the complaints department. Yeah. Cause like, I mean, it's one thing when you're buying a thing from someone and they don't send it. Yeah. Then you can, like, let's say, you know, you're buying yarn on eBay. Yeah. And, they either don't send it at all, or they send it, but it's not what you ordered. That's easy to quantify. You know, it is a physical thing. There you go. If you're buying... A curse. Yeah, a curse or someone else. Either it can be a physical item, but it's supposed to curse someone else. Like, say, if you're buying a potion. A potion is a physical item, but it's supposed to do something. something. But it's supposed to do something that's not as quantifiable. Yeah. Or, you know, if you're asking someone, or if you're paying someone else, even more so, if you're paying someone else to, at their location, cast a spell to do something in your life. Yeah. In your location. I mean, it's not as quantifiable a thing for them to say, okay, this person didn't deliver. Yeah. The other person can say, I did the spell. It may work in ways that you don't understand, that sort of thing. And some of this may stem from where a woman tried to auction off her soul for a minimum of $2,000. I went to the article to read about her. She had been injured in a car accident and was basically really depressed. And she said she was trying, she was at the end of her rope and was just trying to make a connection with another soul. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, and your answer was to auction off the soul that you had. Yeah. Rather than to, you know, join a forum. She got bids or something. (laughs) I'm sure she did. Yeah. This to me now opens up, okay, what about people that do things like they collect, say, antique or historical crucifixes from, you know, the Renaissance or this, that, and the other. Well, okay, I I think for any sort of item like that, you could totally sell it as this is an antique crucifix from, you know, whatever date. You can't sell it as this will heal you, this will give you, you know. You know, you can sell it as... If it's a physical object, you can sell it as a physical object. Okay. Like, I'm sure... If you wanted to sell that potions, potion, you, if had you had to sell, had... sell it as a liquid in a vial. 
Yeah, or not more likely, as, if you wanted, it would probably be, it would be easier with something like, say, stuff that people could use to make things. Like, say, if you needed... I have Newt. Yeah, but that's, I'm just thinking of something slightly less gross. Sorry. I'm trying to think of something like, but, you know, if you, you know, like, crow feathers, let's okay. say, or yeah. eagle feathers, yeah. or something like that. You know, eagle feathers for, you know, a lot of, you know, native groups, or other, you know, feathers and things like that from different birds that, you know, native groups find are part of their spiritual ceremonies. You know, you can sell them as eagle feathers. You can't sell them as magic <laughs> eagle feathers. But basically, shopkeepers have until the end of the month. Yeah, until September 1st, basically. Yeah. And then their listings will be basically shut down and removed. Yeah. Yeah, looking at the stuff that you're no longer allowed to buy on eBay, you're not allowed to buy prayers, blessing services, magic potions. Again, stuff where, like I said, even, like, I'm sure you can still do the, the you know, stuff to do those rituals or things like that. Mm-hmm. Again, you probably can't, you, but you probably can't list them as, that, that it has, is imbued with any other power. Property, yeah. Other property other than as a physical object. Yeah. The ones that they specifically mention are spells, curses, that sort of thing, which are, you know, the ones that they, you can't quantify. And which I'm sure could cause and has caused a lot of headaches for their complaints department with someone saying this person didn't deliver on this thing they were supposed to do and someone else saying I totally did it or they didn't perform it you know if it's a spell or something you buy there's something that you buy and they send to you the person can be like it was fine you know but I created it properly but they must have you know added the potion administered the potion in the wrong way that sort of thing so that's why my yarn enhancing spell hasn't been working I guess so I guess so Shouldn't have bought it off eBay, man. No kidding. By the way, have you been keeping up with Worsted for Wear? Yes. Oh, it's funny. <laughs> the boyfriend sweater curse. I love it. <laughs> I also loved all of the uh, the Batman knitting references. Oh my god, the Batman strips. That's okay, you guys, if you haven't seen it, we have mentioned this comic before. It's called Worsted for Wear. And, like, that's worsted weight yarn, as in. And it's at worstedforwear.com, and it's a knitting online or comic strip. And she recently did a series of strips which have Batman knitting. Yep. Which is hilarious. Because part one of the strips was him basically doing that whole solitude thing up on Some a skyscraper. Yeah. You know, waiting for the evildoers of the night. I will be here. I will be here waiting. And then he's just sitting there for a little while. And then eventually just, oh, heck with it. And pulls out his knitting. And, and starts, starts working knitting. on like, it. Totally. That's what the rest <laughs> of us would be doing if we were superheroes sitting somewhere on the precipice of a skyscraper somewhere waiting for some siren to alert us to some evil doing mm-hmm. so what are you doing oh well i got these glow-in-the-dark sticks i thought i'd try making a sock while i'm up here <laughs> <laughs> well hey there's avengers knitting fanfic yeah <laughs> i should really post some of that on the yeah you group, should some of it is amazing you there's should. a couple i think of that are, that are really well written and they're adorable and i love them and i want all the avengers knitting fanfic <laughs> Do any of them involve Loki? Um, maybe. Okay. I don't don't think there's any that have Loki as a knitter. I I just had a very absurd image. Loki in his battle garb. Mm Mm-hmm. Knitting Fair Isle. Yeah. With one yarn skein stuck on that horn and one yarn (laughs) skein stuck on that horn. Oh my god, yes. I was thinking of magicking the horns to actually do the knitting. That would be a fantastic way to keep the the yarn separated. Sorry. Definitely wouldn't get tangled then. You would look absolutely absurd, but, you know, I'm sorry, but the horns sort of do look absurd to begin with. Yes, and speaking of Avengers, you did have a tiny little note about Avengers 2. Well, we did announce last time that Avengers 2 will be coming out in 2015. Yeah, May of 2015. And we do know that Joss is going to be the one directing it and doing some of the writing. Yes. Which is happy times for everybody. Yes. There is a rumor 
Yeah. That is being circulated. And now we're putting in this disclaimer. It is a rumor. Yeah. Cannot be confirmed by anybody anywhere with any accreditation. Yeah. That Vin Diesel is in talks to play the villain in Avengers 2, The Vision. Now, Vin Diesel's Twitter has been alive with comments about stuff about Vision, like from him and pictures and stuff like that. And it seems like a character he would play. Yeah. But is that something that Joss would do? Yeah, I think the way I read it in a few articles was more like he he has said that would be so cool to play that part. Which could be either... Which may be where the rumor started. Yeah, which might be a sort of like, Hey, Joss, if you'd like anybody to play this part, I'd love to do it. If you wanted to include you to have this part, and I'd totally love to do it. Or it could be a sort of like, you know what? That'd be kind of cool, you know? (laughs) You know, the same sort of way that, you know, all geeks sort of like, you know what would be really cool? This. Yeah. Oh, God. (laughs) You know what would be really cool? If the Avengers knit. (laughs) That sort of thing. Oh my god. A knit circle with all of them. Oh my god, yes. Like, at the Avengers compound, like Tony Stark's yeah. tower. At the Avengers compound. And that little circular, you know, sunken living room yes. that Tony Stark has. They're all sitting there just kneeling. Half of them, half of them are getting it. And I could see somebody like Black Widow just not, just not getting it all in Pepper trying to show her how to do a yarn <laughs> over. And eventually, like, Black Widow just pulls out one of the straight needles from the knitting and goes... And just, like, land yeah, it. like, sticks in the wall. Sticks in the wall. Because, I'm sorry, knitting is not one of the things I see Black Widow. I, despite the pseudonym <laughs> name, I don't see her knitting a lot. I could see her... I like this knitting. Another! Boom. <laughs> oh, well done. Well done. I like that. We're going to have to think of a Tony Stark one now. Well, there was... There's a Tumblr called Avengers Headcanons where people, like, submit their own little... Whatevers. Yeah. Whatever they like to believe. And there was one that someone said, someone sent in that they said that Coulson maintains his calm by cross-stitching in his spare time. And I was like, no, he is totally a knitter. That's why he's so calm. It's because he spends his time knitting. But all of his socks are navy gray. And so, there's quite a few... So I've that seen... they'll go with his suit. He's actually wearing hand-knit socks in all of his scenes. You just can't see it. I think somehow that makes me even hotter. Okay. I'll be in my bunk. Okay, then. <laughs> yeah, so we don't I'm know sorry, how... I'm just going off in all kinds of tangents in my head. What would they... Okay, no, wait. Okay, you, could, you could just hurt your brain yep. thinking of some of the things. No, no, no. Tony would totally get his animatronics down in his lab. The ones that he keeps saying he's going to donate to a community college. college. Yes. He would totally get those guys to do the knitting for him. Tony, yeah. why aren't you knitting? I am. See them over there? <laughs> and it's like, they hold it up and it's just like tangled fishnet. And some of the fix I've, most of the fix I've seen, of course, Steve learned to knit during the war. Of course. Before that. St- Steve, I could see totally knowing. Mm-hmm. Steve would know. Oh yeah. And Bruce. That's yes. the, it wasn't a big bag of weed. <laughs> Helps him keep his calm. Yes. He's the other one who knits for calm. Anyway, yes. Okay. We've had Going fun with this. way back into next topic. We've had enough fun with this. <laughs> So we found an awesome video, and it took me a minute to find a source for this to find out, like, what the hell is this? Recently, in Melbourne, Australia, there was a Utah raptor wandering through a shopping mall. And when Karen first showed this to me, I'm like, is that remote controlled? She goes, no. (laughs) Especially because the first video, you couldn't see certain parts of it. 
which are important. So in the second one, what you can see is you see this full-size Utah, ra- Utah raptor, which is basically, you know, looks like a very large velociraptor, walking through a mall and sticking its head in a store and walking around. And there's a hand, it's got a, a collar on and a chain who's, you know, being held by a handler who's dressed in sort of, think of, you know, Indiana Jones-ish, sort of like the fedora and the, you know, the khaki shirt and the pants and that sort of thing and bags slung over the side. And then after a minute, you notice... That there's an extra pair of legs. Yeah. And that's when you get it. <laughs> and actually what it was, was there is a arena show called Walking with Dinosaurs. And this was apparently part of a promotion for it. Somebody got into the, Velo- the Utah Raptor costume and walked through a mall. Yeah. And like, they must have some amazingly good controls inside the suit. Because, I mean... It's interesting also, one, to watch the human and the way they move their legs so that the raptor seems to be moving in a way that's familiar to anybody who's seen the Jurassic Park movies, that sort of thing. But they must have some really cool controls in it for the head and the mouth and everything, because the way the head moves and turns and looks up and down and everything looks, again, a lot like we've seen in the Jurassic Park movies. It looks very natural. It's also got really good noises. Yeah, it's got got like a, it seems like it's got a few different noises or a different, you know, sort of controls for noises, because it can make different, you know, a few different sort of noises. Yeah. And they're they're not like full-blood roars there. No. Clicks and gurgles and... yeah. Other things, I mean, it's sort of almost like a cawing noise yeah, in some cases. it's really good. Yeah, it's it's amazing to watch, and it's really fun to watch it interact with people. There was one part in the mall where this one woman's like, does he want a peanut or something like that, almost jokingly? Yeah. And the person in the costume lunged after her, and she was sort of like, ah, and she jumped backwards. Inks, instinct will take over. Yep, instinct definitely took over. It would it be was, awesome. If to see the like the face of a clerk in a store, you know, behind a, a counter, so that you couldn't really see. You're looking through the store and through the glass window, and you yeah. can't really see the legs. Of yeah, the well, especially day. if it's like a clothing store and you've got racks of clothing yeah. that you say maybe come up to like chest height, and you're on a seeing person. a dinosaur walk by, like really walk by. It's, <laughs> it's not a balloon. It's not a paper mache. It looks like a freaking dinosaur, and I could I could just see. Well, we have this beautiful lace like like. I need to go lie down now. Was that a dinosaur? It's like in the middle of this very fashionable boutique. Holy shit! There's also a video on YouTube of it. I'll spell the user's name so you can find it. It's B-A-L-L-A-H-S-W-E-E. So under their videos, there's one that says, you can't get closer to a dinosaur than this. And it's basically in probably around, you know, whatever arena where the show is being held or something. There's people milling around outside and there's two handlers with two dinosaurs and it's interacting with a bunch of kids. And at one point, it looks almost like it's her, like the two of them are herding the kids into a corner almost. Yeah. Which is kind of weird when you, when you realize that's what they're doing. And the, the handlers are really good because they get the kids all excited and worked up. Yeah. And they're very, they're, the handlers are very in character, like telling people like, Oh, sir, watch out. They like technology or, you know. Yeah. Ma'am, okay, if it starts coming after you, just, you know, don't run, be careful, because it can sense movement and all this other stuff. So they're very in character. (laughs) I would love that! That's so awesome. I want to hire these people at Halloween. I want to hire them to go through the warehouse at work. That would freak people out. I would would love to have that walk down the aisles at the library. (laughs) 
Just so people are standing in the like in the stacks, looking at a book, and, you know, in between the rows of shelves, and all of a sudden, like they this thing comes up around the end of the aisle and sort of turns its head and looks <laughs> down the aisle and makes a little noise. I would love to see the people's faces, though mostly it'd be I would love to see them like terrified. Yeah, I, I have no doubts there'd That'd probably be, be some that would swear, fall over, scramble, and probably crap their pants. Yeah, the only thing is, you know, I, I would I would be sort of like, I don't want to cause any heart attacks. Uh, well, that's when we can put a sign at the front of the library going, warning, dino- missing dinosaur somewhere in library. <laughs> but one more thing that creates a sort of another reality, and this one is absolutely adorable. Warm, happy place. Yes. This one's from the Mary Sue, and you can actually see the article if you go to themarysue.com slash cat dash immersion dash Tent. So we weren't entirely making it up when we talked about this at the beginning of the episode. But basically what it is, is there's there was a patient at Seattle Children's Hospital called MAGA. And part of the reason she was in the hospital is because she has a suppressed immune system. So she can't leave the hospital because she can't be exposed to, mm-hmm. you know, outside germs. And she loves her cat, Mary, and misses her, like, very much. Uh, so the hospital staff decided to make her prolonged hospital stay just a little bit better by creating a cat immersion tent. And basically what they did is they took a couple sheets and hung them in a tent shape over her bed. And they asked on their Facebook page for people to share their favorite cat photos. And they got 3,000 plus photos. So what they did is they took two projectors and they projected pictures of the cat, the pictures of the cats at each wall of the tent so that she could lie in bed and look up and on the sides of the tent would be all these cat pictures. And the pictures would rotate after a couple of seconds. I mean, you've got yeah. 3,000 that you can go through. Yeah. That's quite a bit of time. They also got a recording of cats purring. Yeah. And they put a speaker, like, in her bed. It looks like it was... In the video, it looks like it's right up at the head of her bed. Yeah. So she can lie in bed and just listen to the sound of cats purring. And see all these different cat pictures. So she's completely surrounded by all things feline without being at risk for her suppressed immunity. Yeah. It is adorable and it's sweet. And She it's was like, so happy, too. Oh, she was so delighted. And it's, there's a really, really cute part of the video that they have embedded in here. That where she's making all the she's like squealing at one of the cats and you see the staff outside and they just sort of start giggling and silently laughing because at her excitement. It's so sweet. Yeah, and I should mention the Mary Sue d- does give a little warning at the bottom of the, the article. It says, watch the video to see the cat immersion tent in action, but beware it might kick up some dust in your room and make your eyes water. Yes. I'm not crying. It's just raining on my face. Inside. It does that. <laughs> yeah, it's seriously adorable. Especially for those of us that are cat lovers. Yeah. And it's so relaxing just to listen to that purring. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> but yes, moving into Cravings, Covets, and Crushes. Oh, Karen showed me the centerfold. It was fantastic. Oh, baby, yes. Of it. Oh, mm. right there. Look oh, at that. Oh, yeah. The centerfold we're talking about is the, well, not quite centerfold, but you know. Still double page spread. Yeah. Of the colors of Nitpick's palette. They have added a few new colors. So the now is, there is now 150 colors in palette, <laughs> which is their fingering Peruvian Highland wool yarn, especially for color work and things like that. And it's just, oh man. I just love looking at the spread 
of all the pretty colors. I just want them all. And they've got all of the new ones. Presumably, the new ones are the ones that have the uh, yeah, they're the ones that have the asterisks. So you can spot all the new ones. You can oh, also oh, oh, oh. check that one out. Seafaring. Oh, I know. It's sort of a greeny blue, very teal, maybe edging more towards the green. This one's a neutral, but I love the name Gosling. Yes, which like it does. That. It is so to the color of like the little fluffy down that goslings have. But oh, there's something about just looking at that that spread, that rainbow of colors and shades and intensities. I just want to jump into that picture and roll around in it. Yep. Something like that. Yes. Like, oh, it's my paint box. Now you know why I just look at colors and just stand there for a while. (laughs) I mean, taking me into a department store that has those eyeshadow, you know, big displays is dangerous. Because I'll just sort of like go all drooly and just stand there looking at it. And actually, one other thing that they had in this issue that's a new one, and which also sort of, the name sort of fits geekiness. (laughs) It's a merino bamboo blend, 50% merino, 50% bamboo, in a sport weight, and it's called Galileo. Galileo. Look at it shine. Because it's so shiny. Looks like there's 15 colors to begin with, but oh, it's so pretty, mainly because of its shininess. Okay, right now, I love Luminous. Oh, God. Teal. And Luster. Yeah, I Luster is looking like a two. very... It's a warm gray. Yeah, like a warm gray, maybe with like a hint of a greenish tinge to it. I love I that. love Luminous because, hello, it's, you know, a lighter teal. Gem is a very dark teal by the look of it. And I love Valentine. Mm-hmm. Which is a nice, rich, dark red. And Nebula. No, that is really... <laughs> Firefly. <laughs> and this is sport weight? Yeah. Yeah, it's a sport weight. Like I said, it's 50% merino, 50% bamboo. 131 yards per 50-gram ball. Lightweight cardigans, elegant tops, stunning wraps. Nummy. Ooh, that would be really pretty in, like, a a lightweight cardigan. Because it would shimmer and drape real nice, I bet. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is just in the, this is in the most recent Nitpicks catalog. And actually, if you go to the Nitpicks website and you want to, just want to see the new colors of Palette or any of their other lines when they add new colors, you can go to that yarns webpage. And at the top of where they show you all the colors, there's a little drop down, a little menu box you can click. And one of the options is newest editions or newest colors. So, and it'll just bring those up to the top. And I just showed Maggie the Viticentum coat kit. V-I-T-I-C-E-T-U-M. And it's a colorwork coat, which is very pretty and very ornate, which is why Maggie was saying, are you crazy? Or I call you crazy? But yes, I think I should put this away now because, oh my god, I don't need any more yarn right now. (laughs) And I have so many projects. So, and we're already moving towards the closing of August. Mm -hmm. We are a little more than halfway through August. Yeah. And the mornings have been much cooler. Thankfully. Yes. Yes. The days have been cooler too, but the mornings especially. So you get sort of that that slightly crisp feel. That all of us in the... Fall is coming! In the northern hemisphere, we're looking for it. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm sure everybody in the southern hemisphere is like, oh, go on with you. We're waiting for spring. Knock it off. Well, in that case, they're more like, yes, we're like, yay, fall's coming. They're like, yay, spring is coming. (laughs) And we should mention that yet again for this episode, if you comment on, you can comment on last week's episode and you entered the chance to win a prize. But you can also comment on this week's episode and have the chance to win a prize with two prizes. Yes. So if you comment on both ones, and for last week, we asked you to comment on something geeky that you have discovered this year. It doesn't have to be through us. It can be through, you know, something else you found. It could be, you know, a book series that someone told you, kept telling you about, and you finally picked up and you realized, oh my God, where has this been all my life? But for this week, we'll ask you to comment with some knitting-related discovery. 
What is your, have you learned a new technique? Have you tried a new yarn? Or have you braved the depths of a new pattern? Have you come to some sort of realization about what kind of knitter you are? Or something that you would like to try in your knitting? Or have you come to the realization that, oh dear god, I really need to do a stash down? That counts to you. Any sort of knitting-related sort of discovery or realization you've had in the past year. And are we going to be doing our Hobbit Along soon? Yes, we will be starting the Hobbit Along in a few weeks, so keep posted. Keep listening. We have originally, we've always been thinking of doing it, thinking of starting it in September for those of us, myself included, and you (laughs) that are doing larger projects. Well, this will be my very first time doing a beaded shawl. Ooh, what one are you going to do? This is um, Battle Weary Dragon. Ooh. For smog. Ooh. And I've already got red lace weight, but I was going to get some red and copper and maybe gold beads to intersperse. I mean, the the pattern already calls for beads, Mm -hmm. but I was going to get some of the reds and coppers and gold beads to indicate the treasure that's stuck into his scales. Ooh, yes. This will be the very first time that I will be using beads. Ooh. But yeah, so you've got a few weeks to figure out what you want to do. And like I, you know, as I've sort of explained before, we'll probably do is we'll start it in September so that, again, the people that are doing very large projects that will take a while can start then. Crazy people. And then people. other people can come in closer to the release date of The Hobbit. Right. So that, you know, however close you feel you want to start to make sure you can get it done in time. Right. If you just wanted to do a pair of socks or a Tom Bombadil hat or (laughs) something like that, or something of your own creation. Yep. Totally, totally kudos to you. You know, you could jump in a month before if you, you know, wanted to do like a pair of socks or something. Yeah. You know, however long you think it will take you. Okay, peeps. Time for us to go to bed. Yeah, no kidding. Well, I gotta go grocery shopping on the way home. Ugh. Well, either that or I have to take the elfling with me Ugh. when I go to the store and that ends in On te- the way home, yes. That ends in tears for everybody. <laughs> yep. Okay, so we'll see you next week. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thanks for listening. To visit our show notes, listen to old episodes, or leave something in our tip jar, you can visit us at knit1geek2.emptypockets.org. That's K-N-I-T-1 G-E-E-K mt-pockets.org. You can also comment at our Ravelry group. Just search the Ravelry groups for Knit One Geek Two. We're also on Twitter. You can find us at www.twitter.com/knitonegeek2. Have a good week, everybody.